Lord, you are here, and we are here to celebrate your presence among us. Touch us. Let us know your love and your joy. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Please be seated. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar, Emperor Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Now, Caesar Augustus was actually the son of Julius Caesar. He was the adopted son of Julius Caesar, and he became the emperor of the Roman world after he had defeated all other uh, rivals. The last of which, you might remember, was Mark Anthony, who killed himself after he was beaten. And so the question is, why is this important? Well, because Augustus, which really was a name of a god that he has taken, turned the Roman country, the Roman um, civilization, into an empire. And he himself ruled it as a god. He said when he was um, on the throne that his father was a god, and therefore he was a god. And from this, he is going to set up what Matthew is trying to tell us. First of all, Augustus decreed that the world should be registered. Now, you can just go to the bank with the thing concept that if he wants to register everybody, he wants to know who to tax, right? We all have to go to be registered, and he is going to be aware of everybody that is involved in the community, in the Roman world. So, this is the world that Jesus was born into. And Luke is exposing a conflict that's going to come to a head as we move through the gospel. And that is that Augustus, Caesar Augustus, declared himself as God. And we are going to find that a new God is born into this world. There will be a new kingdom. So there is going to be this strife between the kingdom of Caesar and the kingdom of Jesus. Now, because of this census, Mary and Joseph had to travel to Bethlehem, known to, which was the city of David. That was where Joseph's parentage was. So he had to go there to be registered. It was about 80 miles from where they were living. Now, Mary is nine months pregnant. And it is an 80-mile journey on a donkey uphill. Now, I got to tell you that there was a little children's song once about a sweet little journey on the donkey to Bethlehem. And I know it was written by a man because, because no woman would have said a sweet little journey of a nine-month pregnant woman it was going to be wonderful. But anyway... That's what they had to do. Um, they had to go. And if you remember from last week, they're not married. They're betrothed. 
Remember, that was the time before the official marriage, and Joseph had found out that his sweet little bride was pregnant, and the angel had assured him that this was a birth um, from the Holy Spirit. So I might, you might wonder, well, why did Mary have to go? He could have registered for them. But there was so much scandal in the town that it's possible that he didn't want to leave her. And so they go to Bethlehem, make this journey. Now, once they get there, everybody in the world is being registered, so there's no rooms in the inn. It's like going to a football game and, you know, the major ones at the end of the year that are always in New Orleans or something, and you can't get a hotel room. So there's no room for them. And they end up in a stable. Now, this stable is not like what we think of stables. It was probably the underground of some people's, of a person's house where, in bad weather, they could bring their animals in. And that's why there was a manger there so that they could feed um, their, their, the animals that they had to bring in. And it is there that this young girl, Mary, gives birth, not in a hospital, No one to help her except Joseph. And she gives birth. And we are told that she wrapped her baby in swaddling clothes. And that's what they used to do in the ancient world. They would wrap the babies up really tightly and they would take um, linen cloths and bind their legs so that their legs would be good and straight and strong. They thought that swaddling these babies was an important thing to do. So, that's Mary and Joseph and the newborn baby. And meanwhile, out in the field are a bunch of shepherds. Now, shepherds did not have a good reputation. Shepherds were considered to be degenerate. In fact, the Pharisees considered them like sinners. I mean, they thought they were sinners. They, they were like tax collectors. They were not people that you wanted to hang out with. And so in the middle of this group of shepherds and all of these sheep, a most unlikely group to hear this news, an angel appears and gives them news of the birth of Jesus. Now, Think about it. If you're out, probably not with your sheep, but maybe with your dog, walking your dog, and all of a sudden a big angel. These were not little angels. These are big angels. And one shows up in front of you. I don't care how many people you have with you. You're going to be terrified. And they were terrified. But in the tradition of the words, we read that they were told Not to be afraid. Do not be afraid of us because we are bringing you really, really, really good news. A baby has been born. A baby, a special baby. And you can find him, this special baby, this son of God, in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes. So, put yourself there. This is pretty much going to rock your world. You've had angels appear before you, tell you to go look for a baby, um, telling you not to be afraid, that this is 
wow, this is life-changing. An angel has appeared and said that the Son of God is born. He will be a Messiah. So, and he appears not to the Pharisees or not to the priests, these angels, but to the most unlikely group of people in the world, shepherds, the outcast, which will be pretty much what we often see in the gospel. Who is Jesus always mentoring to? The outcast. Who is he healing? So it's set up from the very beginning that these shepherds, these unpopular personalities, receive this information. Now, what do you do? You're out there in the fields with your sheep, and you're looking at one another, and you've had this visitation, and I said, well, maybe we should go find them. We should go see what they're talking about, and so they do. And they venture off, and they find Mary, Joseph, and the baby, just like they was just like was described to them. And we read words that we'll hear again from Mary. When they come and tell her what they have heard, Mary listens, and she treasures the words and ponders them in her heart. You see, Mary does not know the whole story. Mary does not know what is going to happen. She just knows that she's been told by an angel that she will have this baby who will be the Son of God, the Messiah. So as she hears things along the way, and we'll read it off, she ponders, what does this mean? As she looks at this baby and holds this baby, what will be his future? What will it look like? What can, she can't even imagine what his life is going to be like at this point in time. So, Mary, has, she doesn't know the story. She doesn't know how it turns out. But she's hearing things that are life-changing. Life-changing words. Have you read or heard something that really changed your life or at least made you think about it? Well, I did this week when I was doing sermon prep. And this is the quote I read. Your life is not defined by what is thrown at you, but by who is enthroned within you. I want you to think about that this week. Your life is not defined by what is thrown at you, by what happens to you, but by who is enthroned, who is living in your heart. And that is the message of Christmas. A child has been born. The Son of God has entered the world. And everything, everything is going to be changed. Now, Do you ever wonder why God came into the world as a baby? I mean, wouldn't it be a little more impressive to be a majestic being that just showed up? Well, I had been thinking about that. And as so often happens when I'm pondering something like that, I'll read something that speaks to the question. 
And so I happened to read in the Wall Street Journal today that Bishop Robert Barron of the Roman Catholic Diocese of Minnesota writes that for all of Israel's history, God attempted to draw people to himself. Yet over and over, the people remained estranged. The Torah was ignored. Covenants were broken. And so he goes on to say, God comes in the most vulnerable way possible. People no longer had to look up to find God. They simply had to look at the face of a vulnerable baby. God enters the world literally as the vulnerable people he came to save. So Luke is telling us a life-changing story that the coming of Jesus changes everything. Christmas matters. Christmas matters. It's more than just the presents we buy and the things that we do, all of which are fun and wonderful. But Christmas matters because it brings us around full circle in the church to the very center of our faith. A child was born 2,000 years ago. God, out of his love, entered humanity. He entered humanity to bring salvation, to tell people how much they're loved. You hear me talk about grace all the time. This is grace in action. Jesus lived, worked, and died to change our lives, how we think about things, how we do things. In 1965, a Charlie Brown Christmas story debuted on national primetime television on December 9th. It's been around for quite a while. Maybe some of you have seen it. The show is a classic. But one character in the show, Linus, is often overlooked. Remember that Linus always had a what? A security blanket. It was his security. He took it everywhere. He wouldn't give it up, even though he endured a great deal of ridicule about it. So Linus is sharing the Christmas story. And that Christmas is all about reciting the verses of the angels in the field. And who, and, and the, the um, shepherds were terrified. And then he hears one of the angels saying to the shepherd, Do not be afraid. And Linus drops his security blanket in the show. It's like he's telling you right there, the security is not in the things that we hold on to. It's in the, into what we hold on to. So what's our security blanket? What's your security blanket? I mean, what are the things you don't want to let go of? I mean, it could be a job. It could be anything. It could be anything in your life. What is it you don't want to let go of? What keeps you and me from entering more deeply into the journey of faith. I pray these words for all of us today to help us let go, to experience God's grace. Do not 
be afraid. For unto you a child is born, a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. Amen.